now, live from the Blind Ninja Studios in Western Wisconsin, a show with no purpose, hosted by experts at drinking, and they're almost definitely wearing pants. It's time for the Department of Offense. Welcome to episode 410 of the Department of Defense. I'm your host, Casey. Joining as always is Carlos. Yeah, after a little bit of wait, although we did have a little bonus episode in there. We did have a little bonus episode. And Jacqueline. Hello. All right. Before we get too deep here, I want to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Bell patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornsson, Hoppenbrill Brewing, Brian Jones, Devin Stinson, and Phil Feldman. If you'd like to be a patron, head over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. Carlos, you were telling me something just the other day about our Black Bell patrons. Do you remember what that was? Well, I was about to talk about uh, all the keg tossing that I've been doing, but I've done that. Twice. I, yeah, I, you were I telling me that they tossed your keg. Like, they've done it multiple times. They've been tossing kegs. And, like, honestly, what's happening is uh, they're getting in a self-help group for keg tossers. Oh, keg, topper, keg, keg tossers, tossers Anonymous? The yeah. KTA? Uh, KTA. That's, you, that, you're familiar with them? No, I actually am you're, not. You're, you, just, you just happen to have the acronym that you, off the top of your head, huh? That's I mean, it was a really hard. <laughs> a little suspicious that you're ready with an acronym for the Keg Tossers Anonymous. After you told me the name Keg Tossers Anonymous, yeah, yeah it's really suspicious. Very suspicious indeed. So, uh, I mean, why why do they need help from keg tossing? Because they've been doing it too much. Like we've been doing these intros for a while, and how often has has it been something related to c- tossing kegs? Uh, once, twice. Twice. Yeah, twice. Uh, including this one? And that that's the only times that we're talking about. Well, this is a third time with this one. Oh, this is a third time. I don't know if this is a third time. Well, this, this is now, like now that we're talking time. well now that we're talking about Craig Tosser, Cake Tosser. This is the first time we're talking about Craig Nobody tossed moments. Craig. Well, no Craig tossing. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, they, they need help. Because uh, it turns out their arms are getting too swollen with muscles from oh, the Oh, they're too swollen from they the keg tossing. They can't have shirts with sleeves anymore. Oh, that's a problem. It is a problem. I, like, and the like, women are just swooning every time they they walk into a room. But they're also, they look very, like, not good people when they go to weddings. Because they just have, like, they have, like, a nice suit on, but, like, no sleeves at all. Just busted, like, ripped at the... Oh, you got they got right forearms for days, though. Yeah, yeah. But it's not what you want out of a wedding picture because you don't want to stand out. You don't want to uh, uh, overdo the bride and the groom. That's true. You don't want to do that unless the groom is also a keg tosser. Yeah. In that case, like everybody needs to have like uh, no sleeves. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Well, if you'd like to uh, uh, develop a keg tossing problem, yeah. uh, become a Black Belt patron at patreon.com slash Studios and uh, get the help that you need. Yeah. All right. Carlos, what have you been up to, my friend? It's been a, a month, a month and a little bit. A month and a bit. A bit and a month. Uh, not too much uh, since we've last recorded uh I'm able to work again. I think I briefly touched upon like uh, I couldn't work for a, a month there. Mm-hmm. But uh, so getting some work done and then uh, not a whole lot else. No. A, a month and that's all you have. Yeah, no. Uh, that was it. That's that's really all I did. Although so I you're just, saying when I leave town, 
you basically just shut down. Like, like I assume that happens to everybody else's life. Like, when I don't see them, <laughs> nothing's happening. So that's literally what happens. Yeah, yeah it's like like a first grader when you leave the school. When you leave school, you assume like the teachers just the are teachers there. just go under the desk. Yeah, it's, it's like a situation <laughs> like that. Uh, did see the uh, the D and D movie? Oh my god! Yeah, we did. That was a lot of fun. It was so good. It looked like everybody was having a lot of fun with it. Like all the all the actors were uh, really funny in their roles, um, and the story felt like it came from around a table. Yeah, it was just like a, uh, some like it's just a g- dumb, goofy action film, uh, like with like uh, some like stupid heists going on. Yeah, it's just fun. Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, so, are there multiple D and D movies? Or? Well, there there are technically. Uh, they're not related in any way. Uh, the the first one that was like theatrically released was like uh, two thousand. I want to say uh, it was not a good movie at all. Uh, it had Michael Ironside in it though. Uh, yeah, so this is the first one, and they're kind of hoping to make it into a franchise series thing. I think, uh, but yeah, this is the first one. This so is the, it has it's yeah. standalone, has no connection to anything, and you honestly don't need to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons to enjoy it. Yeah, it's just like um, you know what an elf is. You know what, like I guess that you. If, if yeah, if you're, if you're somewhat familiar with any kind of fantasy story. Yeah. Was it like Stranger Things at all? No, no, it wasn't that dark. Mm. It was, uh, yeah, it was very swashbuckle fun. And uh, like Chris Pine's the main character, and he's just a uh, <laughs> his only job is to come up with plans and just crack jokes. Yeah, he's a bard. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was so much fun. He is not a fighter. He is not a fighter at all. That's Michelle Rodriguez's yeah, 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 job. Yeah, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, who was in the Fast Eps, uh, movie that we just saw, or quarter of the movie that we just saw, uh, she uh, she's uh, plays a barbarian in it. Yep. Oh, the ripped girl? Yeah. The ripped girl, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and she has a, she has a dalliance in there, and it's... Well, she has a thing for short men. Halflings. nothing wrong with short guys well yeah but uh besides that i don't like i didn't do a whole lot else nothing Uh, nothing exciting yeah uh jacqueline Hmm. what have you been up to babe Hmm. well i left the country for a month oh where'd you go Hmm. Where did we go? (laughs) (laughs) New Zealand. (laughs) Yeah, we spent the last month in New Zealand together. The land of the sheep and Lord of the Rings. The land of hobbits. Hmm. Is that what they call themselves, the land of the sheep? No, but there's more sheep than people in New Zealand. Yeah, there's a lot of sheep. They're so cute. Oh, my God. Okay, so you're like, we road tripped from the North Island to the South Island, and you're just driving through the countryside, and it's like these green fields with cute little picket fences, or whatever they're called, and just happy little sheep, and they're like floofy butts, and they're adorable. They do have floofy butts. Though sometimes you come across a, sh- uh, a, like a field of naked sheep, <laughs> Oh, uh, because oh, they've been shorn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you're like, oh, those are ugly sheep. They should be wearing oh, some pants. They're not ugly. They're not as cute as the floofy sheep. <laughs> uh, yeah, what was your, uh, I guess, uh, what were a couple of highlights for you of New Zealand? Um, we went on an all-day Lord of the Rings film location tour uh, via Jeep ride, and that was incredible. Was uh, one of the places you go, went to like the uh, so like Fellowship of the Ring? There's like that long horse running scene 
across like a long field. Was that one of the spots you go to, went to, or is it just like a? That was in the mountains. So we, yeah, like you know, in the transitions movies. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we saw the mountain from the base of the mountain. But they said it was like a helicopter ride or a two-hour hike. So we didn't do that. But we got to see the Fjord of Brunin where, like, Frodo crosses when he's being chased by the um, Black Riders. Oh, so you, yeah. saw, so you saw that part, not the part right before that, where the, it was the open field. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. We didn't see the open field. All right. We saw a lot of open fields, but I don't know if any of them were the open field. Um. And we saw it. We, yeah. So the Fort of Brunin was that like that fi- that scene was filmed in two separate spots. Um, and so we saw both. Uh, but one of them, we uh, like we learned like so we learned a lot of like little like anecdotes about the film. And uh, one spot where like the writers actually cross the river or like go into the river, um, like there were too many rocks in the river. So Peter Jackson made the crew take all the rocks out of the river. (laughs) So they could cross it. Yep. And then put all the rocks back. Yeah. We got to see the woods where... um, Uh, Boromir died. Boromir dies. And... We got a photo of Jacqueline dying. Got to see the field that's in front of Gondor. Mm Mm-hmm. And the field that's in front of Orthanc. Yep. And yeah, we saw all of like all of like the Isengard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Hobbiton. Yeah, spent that, half a day at Hobbiton. Yeah. And had a Hobbit feast, and yeah. we got to stand in front of Bag End. We got to touch the door of Bag End. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, in the in the mailbox, and um, and then you didn't get to bring a staff though across against the door a couple of times. No, I didn't get to do that. Um, We're not Gandalf. We have no. <laughs> yeah, we had no authority. It'd be to vandalism do that. <laughs> if you're not a wizard. <laughs> um, we went to Rivendell, which was Rivendell was actually really cool. We did go to Rivendell. Um, so we got to. Wait, was we, there? There's like a set for it. Yeah, so there was there was a there was a spot where they built the Rivendell set, which is way smaller than what you would expect. Uh, so the set's there, not there anymore. But you can see like all the trees and stuff from the shots, and they have signs up uh, with like uh, stills from the film where you can see different things. And uh, like the scene where Frodo gets out of bed and then uh, is like literally 12 feet from where Bilbo is like sitting on his bench, yep. like across the thing, it, like everything's super compact. And then there's a spot where, um, uh, like or uh, Orlando Bloom took all of the took a bunch of like promotional photos as Legolas, and like so you can stand in that exact spot and get the same like propo- <laughs> like photo and stuff. That was really cool. That was just north of Wellington, so we did that after Hobbiton. Um, yeah, we hiked across Mount Doom, or like in front of Mount Doom. Yeah, uh, and did you? Like, we got to lay in the spot where they saw the Oliphants. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we got to, um, you know, that scene where Sam goes, potatoes, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. We got to sit at the exact GPS location of that. <laughs> yeah, and somebody during COVID had, like, recreated, like, the little fire ring. And so, like, that's there. So we got to, like, squat in front of the fire ring and, like, recreate the potatoes scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a photo with that, and 
there's this like stretch of road where um, they've used it in a bunch of films now, and one of them was Wolverine, where like the helicopter crashes and oh, explodes, yeah. uh, and so we gotta we gotta be there and. Uh, interesting fact about that is they didn't notify the New Zealand government or like, uh, they didn't notify Queenstown. Yeah, th- yeah. That they were going to explode the helicopter. So, like, so wait, when you're crash? saying like the, the the Wolverine, the movie, the movie Wolverine. Yeah, not the movie Wolverine War- Origins. Not or the movie about like the Wolverines. No, no, that's that's Red Dawn. Yeah, yeah, that's not Red Dawn. Yeah. So they have this huge explosion, but no, didn't notify like the Queenstown beforehand. So. The crash echoes through all of the mountains and like is deafening upon the town of Queentown. So they send all of their fire trucks and all of their <laughs> emergency vehicles, and it was just them yeah. causing a ruckus. Yep. And yeah, we learned a lot of just like really nifty little film things that's going to make watching Lord of the Rings next Nacho Day so entertaining for you guys. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to annoy the shit out of you. No, I'll probably be dr- too drunk to to n- pick up any actual. Uh, Not during uh, all the Hobbiton scenes, or a little bit of it will just be like we were there. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, uh, for the Hobbiton scenes, I'll be still whole yep. sober, and then we'll just be yelling "Grod, Grod, Grod" towards the end of the film. Yeah, anyway, we spent, so. that was so much fun when we did that. Last <laughs> it time. was. <laughs> I, I do th- miss that one. Grod is the like uh, during the Battle of uh, Minas Tirith. The uh, or is it no, Grand, Grand, the big, uh, yeah, the battering big, ram. It's Grand. If you hadn't said it right, I would have uh, uh, been yeah, there. Yeah. It's, with, it's like the thing that breaks the doors yeah. down. No, so we chanted the whole time that they were chanting. As it was coming up, I was like, I'm going to just chant the whole time and I hope other people join. Otherwise, <laughs> it's going to be awkward. That's the scene that Legolas and Gimli have a competition on how many orcs they can kill. Yeah, yeah one of the one of the few. Because they also have one during Helm's Deep. Oh. I think I'm due for a rewatch, apparently. Apparently. Um, yeah. Any other uh, any any other uh, New Zealand things you want to talk about? Or any other things you'd like to talk about before uh, I take my turn? You good? Okay. Um, let's see. Other New Zealand things. Uh, we hit a few breweries. We went to the oldest brewery in New Zealand. Uh, which was, oh man, I have to look up the name cause I can't remember how to pronounce it. Sorry. I'm not prepared. So the oldest, uh, so spites, uh, is the oldest, uh, uh, one of the oldest bre- or the oldest brewery in museum, uh, New Zealand. And then the oldest craft brewery is Emerson's. And that was from the nineties. Spites is from 1876. Uh, and they're like just down the road from each other in Dunedin. Uh, and yeah, Dunedin was a super cool town. I really liked. Do they that like one. supply like all the beer then for the whole New Zealand then? No like, uh, imports. Uh, so New Zealand has like not a ton of craft breweries, but it has a few breweries. Right. Um, so there's uh, there's a fairly large brewery, a craft brewery in Hamilton on the North Island, which is like south of Auckland, that supplies the beer for Hobbiton. Um, and then Wellington has a few smaller craft breweries and a few bigger ones. So it's kind of like all over the place. Um, and then South Island, uh, you see spites everywhere, or spates, spites, spates, spites. I don't remember. Uh, and then 
Uh, you see Emerson quite a few places. Uh, we went to a place in Queenstown called Searchlight, and they had some really good, uh, really good beers. And uh, Jacqueline got a hoodie from there. Um, yeah, and then so when we landed in New Zealand, it was really cool. We did this uh, blackwater rafting, and they call it blackwater rafting. It was more you rappel into a cave and then take a zip line further into a cave and then hike up a river with a tube, and then tube down the river. Inside the cave. In, all inside the cave, like looking at glowworms and stuff. It was really cool. It was a lot of fun. I had a blast. I think you had fun. Yeah, I think I learned I'm slightly claustrophobic, but I definitely had fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little getting used to it. I didn't like the, like when you couldn't stand in the cave. There's some spots where like you had to crawl through that, the cave. Yeah, that wouldn't like, be pleasant. Yeah. You had to crawl not just through the cave, but like over a river. Like you're crawling through like knee deep rushing water and like your shoulders are like at risk of hitting the top of the cave and it's dark. Yeah, so like yeah, there's cold. You're like you're you're all you're on like all hands and or hands and knees to get out. To get out and like you're just like keeping your head above the water but like turn sideways so you fit through the hole. And you're then like making me claustrophobic. I'm like <gasps> And then and then like you get to the waterfall and then you just have to climb up the waterfall without any like safety gear. That does not sound pleasant. Nah, it wasn't that high of a waterfall. No, no, the uh, the climb go the like when you're like when you're trying to like squeeze through stuff. I've had too many dreams where I'm just stuck, <laughs> like Winnie the Pooh. Like yeah, like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> What'd you drop? Oh. No. And I know too many like splunking store stuff like where like people died because they got stuck. I don't I see think it. It's by your foot. Oh, I can't believe you have dreams about getting stuck. Uh, not, not, not anymore. I guess nightmares uh, about getting stuck. Yeah, well, they're normally usually short because, like, it's like I'm not a fan of this. I want out. Yeah. But it was it was a great way to like just kind of throw ourselves into the adventure that was New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, because I the literally the day after that we went on what was it a four or sixteen mile hike. 14, 16 miles, because it was like, like nine or like just shy of twenty kilometers. Twelve. I don't remember. It was a long. Nineteen kilometers with several thousand feet of elevation gain. It was like nineteen point six kilometers. I think it was two thousand up and four thousand down of elevation gain, because it was a one-way trip. Yeah. Right. Uh, twelve miles. Yeah, yeah, over 12 miles, or, uh, I don't know, we walked a long way, and we were tired, <laughs> and there was a mountain, and we climbed up a mountain, and it was, well, I shouldn't say a mountain, it was an active volcano, uh, and it was a blast, it was really cool, um, and yeah, and then we went to Hobbiton, which was, oh my god, incredible, we talked a little bit about that, if you ever go, do the evening banquet tour, or do like what one girl on our tour did, and she did the breakfast tour, the regular tour and then the banquet tour. It was her birthday, and so she was doing all Hobbiton all day. And somehow she was still like high stoke. She had so the, much stoke. Even at the end of like the third tour for her, she was still like taking pictures like mad and recording like the guides and like the yep. whole thing. Yeah, and she passed around. Or so she gave us all uh, like buttons because hobbits give away presents on their birthday. Um, and so she gave us all like a button and stuff. I don't know. It was cool. 
like her stoked made us all stoked and it was it was awesome and she passed like a card around and so at the end of the hobbiton tour we had this grand feast in the oh, yeah. green dragon and casey got a drink beer especially brewed for hobbiton yeah in, in the, the green, green dragon. dragon out of like a ceramic mug yeah it was pretty epic. It was, uh, it was, it, it was a uh, a dream multiple years in the making, uh, and it was incredible. Um, and then, yeah, we went to uh, Wellington. We unfortunately didn't have time to do the full Weta tour. Which, oh, oh my gosh, if I could do anything, it'd be Yeah, we'd tour. go back and do the Weta tour. W-E-T-A, Weta. Just see all, like, the stuff that they had. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we went, so it's we like went. The artists who, yeah. like, developed, you yeah. know what it is. Yeah, like, all, all the, the, all, the all the amazing, like, equipment and stuff that they had, like, all just the art made. and costumes yeah. and things, yeah. Um, well, and, like, it takes you to the active uh, place so you can see, like, stuff that they're currently working on. And, uh, but... They're, yeah, so we just have to go back to New Zealand. That's all there is to it, and do Weta. Uh, we went to the Weta Cave, which is, like, their outlet. Uh, like, so they have, like, a bunch of, like, souvenirs and stuff, but they also have, like, a little mini museum with a bunch of props. So we got to see some stuff there, which was awesome. And then, yeah, we learned about Kia birds. I That's kind of the, the like, so South Island, we went, uh, we hit Christchurch. We did some rock climbing. Uh, we did, we went to Dunedin, which looks like, uh, Dunedin, but it's Dunedin. <laughs> uh, Teanau, uh, we did Milford Sound. Uh, I got to scuba dive Milford Sound and see black coral, which was super cool. So the coral itself is like black and it has all these like white tendrils around it. And I saw a bunch of sharks and went to a rock where there was, uh, like, Probably a few hundred lobsters just chilling out around this rock. Um, I saw dolphins and yeah, we saw dolphins too on the surface. We went on a hike and got to see all these wild seals like beached on the yeah on the beach. These fur seals just chilling. Um, We saw we learned about kia birds. As long as you didn't see a bunch of walruses on the beach. No walruses on the beach. Thank goodness. Um, But. We, yeah, we learned about these Kia birds, like K-E-A, and they're supposedly the smartest bird in the world. Really? That's how it's spelled? I thought it was spelled K-I-A. Yep, no, it's K-E-A. Them. All right. Yep, and they, they, they fuck with shit. Like they're just they're just mischievous birds. Uh, I had this uh, this there's this IPA called the mischievous Kia that was like my favorite IPA to drink, and then like it had this this Kia that had stripped a um, a windshield wiper, like the rubber off a windshield wiper in its mouth, like yeah, because because uh, like you were telling me that you gotta be careful that because they might uh because when you park there they might Kia your vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I'm mad about that. <laughs> But yeah, that's exactly what they'll do is they'll Kia your vehicle. And it's, yeah, we woke up one, uh, the first morning that we were camping out there. Uh, they were trying to steal my hiking poles. <laughs> like, what do they even do with them? I don't know. They just wanted them. Luckily, they had like stabbed them into the ground and they were attached to the tent. There's probably somewhere on in New Zealand, there's probably a cave that's like a dragon's, <laughs> like a dragon's cave full of treasure of just all, well, everything just that treasure have taken from the island, <laughs> just full of shiny bits and bobs. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. But yeah, New Zealand was incredible. I want to go back. I will go back. That's it's a it's a when, not a if. I think for me. But yeah, 
So we should probably get into the show. Oh, we also did a board game night the other night. We did do a board game night. And we played Red Dragon Inn for the first time. Yeah, like we've like there's been a lot of Red Dragon Inn games. Like it's actually one of the more popular games, and like we've never played it before. Yep. And I see why it was popular. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, because we got like I can't remember was it like the ninth Red Dragon? Uh, Inn? Yeah, the eighth. Because there's, there's a lot of different uh, types of Red Dragon Inn games, but it was a lot of fun. And then also that night, like I, like uh, it was, uh, I just put some YouTube on, and there was, I was like, oh, there's a stream from Adult Swim, and it's, because it's April Fool's Day. And, they, and like Adult Swim always does, like, or as in the past, like back when I had cable, would always do an, an, an April Fool's prank of some sort. Like I remember when I was a kid, there's one I watched. It was like, oh, I'm up at, at the right time for Adult Swim and they're doing Space Ghost Coast to Coast. But then I try to watch the episode and you can't hear what the guest is saying because it's or what Space Ghost is saying, because actually, like, it's like they had recorded audio of somebody's uninterested parents watching it, and that's the only audio you're getting instead of the episode audio. That's fantastic, but, and I wish there was more of that in this world. But uh, like, I caught, like, the, the end of the block, which was right as they started this amazing first-person footage of a train going through, like, the snowy landscape while playing, like, some cool beats. And like it's like as it like stops as the train like stops at various stop places as because apparently I, I went back and it starts at like fifty meters above sea level, it ends at like uh, fifteen hundred meters above uh, sea level, and it's just like oh, really relaxing. It's, it's like oh, I want more videos of just like cool beats <laughs> playing trains. and a train <laughs> slow like just going at high speeds like just through snow. Yeah, so that was great. Um, oh, I should also mention, uh, I went and met up with uh, Brian for lunch. It was supposed to be a quick lunch. Uh, we ended up staying at Pitchfork for two and a half hours uh, because Dave, uh, shout out Dave, um, had uh, WrestleMania on. And turns out that uh, Brian and I are into wrestling now. Cool. That's, uh, yeah, now we're just like, we were, we were so into it. It was... We were very invested, especially there was this thing where this one wrestler had a son who's also a wrestler now, and but that son had become a bad guy because of uh, his, like, his wife or girlfriend or whatever was like his dark mommy or something, and then he threw a glass of water in the face of his sister, and so his dad beat him up in the ring and then took his belt off and then spanked him with it, and then <laughs> it was really just... No, yeah, like, it's, uh, like, wrestling isn't, uh, it's not real, but it's also, like, it's a, this is an actual yeah. sport. Oh, also, turns out John Cena has my hairline, so that's exciting. Oh, really? Yep. Even at, with all this money, like how? I don't know. Like, I, like you can't tell in like movies. Yep. But yeah, boys balding. Huh? Balding real bad. I, I'm surprised he didn't have doesn't have plugs. Maybe he just like uh, maybe he just has a can of spray for his movies. Just something. It's just digital hair. Maybe <laughs> it's in his contracts. Uh, but yeah. All right. Let's get into the show uh, proper. Uh, first thing first, do we want to be fancy or do we want to do next quarter mile? Let's do next quarter mile. Well, give me a little bit of time to finish my beer, too, before we get into the fancy before time. Before you become fancy. All right. That's over here. Spend a minute, guys. Sorry. <laughs>
the next quarter mile. That's right. It's time for the next quarter mile, where we talk about the next quarter of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yeah, as uh, Casey had said, like in the compressed audio of his own voice, trying to like Dom, this is the next quarter mile. <laughs> oh, yeah, that seemed a little unfair. But. I, I, I love that part, though. <laughs> I love that. It's like, it's clearly compressed audio. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, so like this is where we talk about the Fast and the Furious movies franchise a quarter movie at a time. Exactly. And we are moving into the ninth film in the franchise. How many quarters is that? Uh, well, I, I left my notes upstairs, so... So you go get those and I'll do math. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, eight times, times four, four plus one, carry the three, <laughs> is, uh, 33. 33 quarters. That's almost as many as it will take to get past, like, half of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, and like, uh, so the title for this film that we just started today for the f- ninth fast film, the ninth fast and fierce movie is F9, the fast saga. That's I, I want to double check that that's the that's that's it. The fast saga. I think it. No, I, I think it's just called F9. Oh, it's also known as F9, the fast saga. <laughs> That's uh, and internationally as Fast and Furious 9. You're right. But before we get into more details about that, we do have a couple segments to get out of the way. That's true. Jacqueline, would you like to run the bell? So you have a stopwatch <laughs> and a bell. And I'm going to have 60 seconds to do the plot in 60 seconds. Uh, Casey, what is the plot in 60 seconds? Yeah, well, I'm explaining that. You want to reset the stopwatch and then... Um, you're going to basically with that. So what's going to happen here is Jacqueline is going to, uh, start the clock for Chris or Carlos, and he is going to give us the entire plot of the franchise up to the end of this quarter in 60 seconds or less. That is eight and 8.25 movies in 60 seconds or less. And as soon as he hits 60 seconds, Jacqueline is going to ring the bell and that will be your time to end. Trick to getting us to restart? Uh, probably. You, you uh, pause with one button, and while it's paused, you press the other button. Oh. Fix it. So uh, you want to quickly count me down? Four, three, two, one. To me, Brian, Max, and Dom's sister while hunting his gang of TV VCR combo thieves. Bad cop Brian lets Dom get away. Now Badge of Spry is taking on drug trafficking in Miami with Always Hungry Roman. They win by crashing a car into a boat. Elsewhere, shitty driver Sean crashes, burns, is banished to Japan, learns art of drafting from Han. Han dies. Previously, another place. Dom, Letty, and Han do a heist. Dom runs off. Letty dies. Bad cop. Fed Bry and Dom team up. Revenge happens. Now Dom, Brian, and Mia lay low in Brazil. Agent Tobbs is on the trail. They weigh out as with a big heist. Vince dies. They steal the vault. Later, Dom finds out Amnesia Lady lives. The crew gets together for taking down Shaw. Gazelle dies. Shaw goes down. Post credit Han dies. Now Deggard at Shaw wants revenge, killing Han in the wrecking house, but nobody backs Dom. After LA shenanigans, Shaw is captured. Then Dom goes rogue with the crew while trying to stop him and Cypher. Dom is surprised dad. Elena dies and little Bry is saved. Then Dom's brother Jacob captures Cypher. Pleakro minus. I'm sorry, Pelico, minus, minus. You're at 47. Oh, yeah. 47 seconds, dang. I cut a, I, I, I was trying to simplify, like, it's like, all right, I'm going to go back and edit some of my stuff, try to simplify, like, I finally cut down that that first chunk for the first movie a lot. 
Because yeah, you know, wow. For you have you have thirteen seconds. You're not going to have any problem getting to the end of Fast Nine. No, I'm not. That's incredible. All right. Well, I have the next segment, which is equally as hard, if and, not harder, if not harder. Yeah. Uh, which is the 10-second car. Will you let the people know what the 10-second car segment is? Yeah, so the 10-second car is a very difficult segment where for a quarter of the movie, because like what I just did was the entire franchise from beginning to end, but for the to describe the quarter of the movie that we just saw, Casey needs to use 10 words. Exactly, 10 words. And that's the 10-second car. It's very difficult. Are you guys ready? Yeah, we're ready. Roman realizes he's a god. Dom's brother is John Cena. Yeah, there we go. All right. Very difficult. Let's do some garage talk. Let's talk about this. So what kind of subtitle is the Fast Saga? <laughs> it's pretty terrible. Like, it's not a great. At least the last one was Fate. F-E-I-G-H-T. It had no, name. it was not F-E-G-H-T. It was F-8. Fate of the Furious. Oh, I, I, I've heard it both ways. No, you just because you say it doesn't mean it's, you've heard it both ways. I, can hear I mean, that's a technicality you have because you've, heard, you've yeah, heard yourself say it. Exactly. But no. Shoot that technicality. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's a little like it's weird. Like, it's not, that's not what you would call. Like, that's what you call like a full, a full franchise. Thing. It's like the fast saga. But like, it's like, oh, only this one is the Fast Saga. Yeah. So okay. this was your first step into Fast and the Furious, Jacqueline. It is. I've never seen any of them, but the first quarter of the ninth movie. Yeah. And what did you, what did you think of the first quarter of the ninth movie? Uh, a lot better than I expected. I was not expecting a lot. It's not typically my choice, but it had this like jungle theme uh, that I really enjoyed. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. This one, I think nine. Is I mean it's up there for one of my favorites. Um, so Carlos hasn't seen the uh, like all of nine yet. We're getting we're getting there. Um, but so far in this quarter, uh, like it starts this 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 like it starts with Roman like starting to become self aware. Yeah. Like of the franchise, and yeah. it's so good. Because it's absolutely ridiculous, like all the stuff that happens. Well, he's he's like. He's in the middle of this, um, like, he, like these ruins, and all of these army guys are around him shooting well, at him. Well, let's get to their chronological. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. So, uh, they, we start out in a flashback, uh, Toretto Racing, we see. Somebody's going around in a racetrack in a circle. Yep. And it uh, turns out that it's Dom's dad. Yeah, in 1989. Yeah. The year I was born. Yeah, and just racing in a circle, There's uh, Dom tells him that there's an oil slick on the track. You got to watch out for those. You got to watch out for Racer Twenty Four or something like that. Yep. And like then Racer Twenty Four takes out like so. Well, they're that pit stop. They're that pit stop for like the point of a pit stop is you're in there for as short a period of time as possible. What they treat this pit stop as like while they're in the pit stop, everybody else in the race just stops. No, yeah, yeah. So like they can have this this discussion, and then like all right, now I can go out. And like and then all of a sudden the race picks up again. And it's like uh, and like his dad is making this as like is it was even told by like their mechanic like this is like you don't have to place well in this one because it doesn't matter yep. because it's the end of the season and apparently the placing doesn't matter. So uh, Dom's dad gets taken out by uh, the other car by an, by a car explosion. Yeah, like, turns out that um, the the ability to survive any car wreck is not genetic. No, and like uh, they're all racing Pintos in that uh, in that race because it just explodes right away. 
like, like I, good old like, like oh. it also had like some uncanny airtime. Like once it hit oh, the yeah. air, it just kept flying. It well, it we went into slow motion. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't really that slow it motion. Was it was solid uh, airtime. Like, by the true. time that thing landed, bro was like fried chicken. It was mostly yeah. the car was mostly plywood, plywood and explosives. And uh, let's see what else happened. So, yeah, so Dom's dad dies in a fiery wreck, and Dom's trying to. Yep. Run and Michael across. Rooker's in this movie. Is that Michael Rooker? I yeah, that's that. Michael Rooker. That's why I wanted you to like uh, to pull up the thing. The x ray thing didn't, like the, the Amazon x ray thing, I guess it was. Oh, you, oh, you didn't realize that was Michael Rooker. I thought it was. I was trying to find confirmation because yeah. I thought it was. Yeah, that's but, absolutely Michael Rooker. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was great. He's it's, always, uh, he's always fun. Uh, what, What's his name in uh, Guardians? Uh, you've never seen Guardians, though, have you? Yeah, she's seen Guardians. Oh, yeah. He's the uh, Yandu guy with the guy with the fin on his head, oh. along with a lot of other stuff. He's been in a lot of stuff through the years. He's like great that guy. Yeah, it's like oh yeah that guy. He's, he's always fun. Uh, so and like except this time he has like long hair, so that also throws because he's been bald for as long for basically my entire adulthood. <laughs> and then uh, let's see, yeah, go, his dad goes up in flames. And he, oh, we see Dom doing uh, car work with a hobbit, <laughs> with his curly-haired kid, yeah, Brian Jr. Yeah, Brian, like or uh, little Brian. Uh, we see that uh, Letty comes out of the house like their uh, water heater doesn't work at, on their. Little well, that's the price for living off the grid. I mean, it's not really if you have a water heater. It's not really off the grid. You at least have like something that's powering it. Well, yeah, the solar panels. You like if is yeah, like, you, I guess which grid are you off of? And you can get a new water heater. I mean, that's a thing you can do. <laughs> oh yeah, but they keep breaking down. Well, they, I don't think that's the thing. Water heater. If there's something wrong with your water, you should maybe not drink that water if your water heaters are going down. We're like in that. Flint, Michigan, and our water heater keeps breaking down. Seems a little corrosive on the. Pipes. <laughs> uh, we find out that uh, Cipher was captured when we the the crews roll yep. in on their everybody's in like it's like a clown car of like the rest of the cast that comes in. Well, but you know they don't carpool, but they did carpool. Yeah, but Dom says you don't carpool as he's like aiming a shotgun at them. Yeah, because obviously, like they don't care about reducing their carbon footprint. Obviously, they do, Dom. Yeah, because like Roman, because we don't know who was pulling up in the SUV until it's like Roman sticking his hands out. We come in love or peace. Or something yeah, he like does that. the he yeah, does the love heart song. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but like Cipher was ha- Cipher had been captured by Mister Nobody, and they were in a plane, and then Mister Nobody's plane went down because like this is a Fast and Furious movie. A plane is going to crash at some point in time. So did it bother you that they got the distress signal about the plane going down? Had time to take that distress signal all the way to bumfuck wherever that Dom and Letty are hiding, convince them to go the next day. Uh, they go on a plane, fly to wherever in Central oh. America, and the plane was still on fire? So you it's funny that you'd ask that because, <laughs> no. You know why? Because I already had to suspend my disbelief at the very beginning of the film for the pit stop. So once I knew that time no longer had any relevance to anything, I didn't care about it. The pit stop didn't bother me. That was the purpose for the pit stop. The pit stop was to get you used to the fact that time doesn't matter here. It's all about explosions and cars. Well, there is that. Chris Uh, is on 
Chris is onto something yeah. with this for sure. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, like, so pit stop was way too long and emotional. It was kind of all pit stops are emotional. If I learned anything from WrestleMania today, I'm assuming that the, that they, everything was okay. I don't know. I think everything wrestling. translates to NASCAR. They don't have pit stops in wrestling. Would you care to uh, expand on that theory? How? Yeah. So I've never watched NASCAR either. Um, so this is the first time I watched WrestleMania, and so I assume NASCAR is exactly like that. I am sure you've seen NASCAR because we've all seen Malcolm in the Middle. Okay, so I have seen, so I've, I've seen NASCAR. I've never watched it. Like, I've seen wrestling, but I've never watched it. My dad would uh, would record it. NASCAR races and just fast forward until somebody crashed. Um, because apparently know. that's the only exciting part of NASCAR races. Wait, what do you mean? Like, seen, was there a Malcolm die. Middle episode about NASCAR? Yeah, yeah. Their dad takes uh, Dewey and Reese to, is it Reese? Oh, maybe it's all three boys to a NASCAR. And then he I gives no them money. Idea. You don't know that episode? Yeah, yeah, it's it's worth a watch. I mean, I believe it. Although, now that you said that, though, that didn't uh, Frankie Muniz get into racing? Uh, that might have just been a movie. No, like, actually got into racing. Oh. Yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, actually racing cars now. Oh, interesting. So, so but that was, so the episode of Back in the Middle about NASCAR... He wasn't even in, and he's the one that's becoming a racer. Wild. Yeah, I think he was actually in it, now that I think back. Okay. It would be yeah. weird if that if he didn't get into it. Malcolm was always like, you guys So you're saying be that pit stops aren't that emotional? I don't know. Yeah, he, uh, so yeah, uh, Frankie Mina's race. I'm a little a, disappointed. Uh, NASCAR <laughs> ARCA race, series race. I think the only way to really know if pit stops are emotional is to go watch that Malcolm in the Middle oh, shit. episode. So, yeah, this is in February. I think so. Of this year, uh, he finished first. In what? In the NASCAR ARCA series. What race. does ARCA stand for? American Race ARC Car Association. Uh, ARCA Menard Series is an American Stock Car Series. What does it? Uh, what does, so, it's from Menards. Yeah, which well, it's, fuck it's Menards, a but. Um, and he's got 19 more races to go. Wow. American racing car. This is his full-time racing career. Like, he's really devoting it. Well, to I mean, you, I don't think you can have a part-time racing career. <laughs> I guess not. Okay. What is an ARCA car? Well, it's an old NASCAR stock car. The... ARCA series generally uses older generation stock cars from NASCAR. Oh, actually, that's kind of interesting that they're using like older generation. So when NASCAR went to the car of tomorrow in 2007, ARCA continued to use the older model Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, and Dodges that the bigger series was no longer using. No. Oh. I would think that would actually gra probably grab a pretty big crowd for the people that want the cars from the old days before they change Instead everything. of the car of tomorrow. Oh, that's cool. Wouldn't the car of tomorrow be the car of today? Well, unless it's for the car of tomorrow. Well, but what happens when it becomes tomorrow? Well, it's still a tomorrow, though. There's not another tomorrow after that. There's not another tomorrow after that. There's only one tomorrow for every day. There's a, there's a day after tomorrow. Well, yeah, I mean, but that has Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Does it? Yeah. 
He's the kid. In what? Day After Tomorrow. What is Day After Tomorrow about? That's the one where the cold attacks. Oh, is that that? <laughs> and oh. Dennis Quaid? Yeah. No. <laughs> they're just wolves in New York City, I guess. Yeah. Hey, we were talking about Fast and Furious. We should probably finish doing Yeah, that. so uh, let's see. Dom comes with... Uh, so Dom comes with them at, to to Mr. Nobody's plane after uh, he presses enhance. Yeah, yeah, and sees, sees that uh, his cross is there. Like I didn't even know what he's looking at, but apparently he knew what he was looking at. And then we uh, we visit the, the army comes in, into the. Where's Mr. Nobody? Did he die in the crash? That's what we're led to believe. All right. So yeah, there's a because like he has died in the past. It turns out he wasn't dead. I mean, the, yeah. They visit, visit a plane crash. The army comes in. Roman takes on. So the army comes in. And, like, this is what Casey was getting to earlier. And, like, he's panicking. He's like, you have no idea who I am. And he starts panicking again because he's actually terrified because he is a scared. And then he falls down a pit. The army starts coming at him. And then he takes a rifle and kills And everyone. kills the army. Half the army is just dead right there from Roman. This is not the first time this happened. Previous film. It ended with like Roman, like just uh, was having this, was panicking a whole lot. And then he just pulls a gun and just shoots the people that are chasing after him. And that solves the problem. That's <laughs> not the first time that he's just killed a lot well, of people. Well, and it continues happening. Like, so then they drive through a minefield. Um, and Roman's like, my car only goes up to 70. And, they, and this, Tej says, you have to go to 80. He's got a big old tanker. Yep. <laughs> so it was just, that's not how that works. And so, like, Roman explodes, but multiple like times. multiple times, and is like, his ass is on fire, and then the car gets like wedged. Yeah, which is a, a great shot of just like it just getting wedged in some rocks, and like yep. he's above, and like looking down, there's a mine right below it, like in yep. Looney Tunes. So he's trying. And then to- he falls out of the vehicle right next to the mine, oh, starts running, the vehicle lands on the mine, explodes. And you think, oh, you think he's clear. And then the car lands on top of him, but doesn't <laughs> land on top of him. Yeah, because like everybody's like the the, the uh, it was Tej and uh, I can't remember who the hacker is. Uh, 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 ra, ra, it starts with an R. Um, yeah, but the that but yeah, Tej and the hacker see this come down and they think he's dead. Ramsey. Ramsey. They. they <laughs> And it, it turns out he's alive. And he just can't talk after what. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then they like they levitate over a rope bridge somehow. Oh yeah, so there's a rope bridge scene in here where uh, the Indiana Jones across it. So kind of like how Indiana yeah. Jones, they start like you, they cut the rope and he tries to get to the other side. Uh, in this one, uh, the rope gets cut, taken out by another vehicle, and they try to drive across it while it's starting to come apart. They make it across, of course. Well, actually, they it, like just like Indiana Jones, it, they go down with the bridge, but they still are able to drive up yeah. the uh, like a ladder. Well, and it just gets more ridiculous in there. Unfortunately, we have to like wrap up because we're about 20 minutes well, into this segment. There is a, a little bit more we have to talk about, though. No, there isn't. No, because uh, Dom's scene there with the, the explosion. We, we're going to have to pass over it. I mean, I want to talk about it, but like... We're at, we're at 45 minutes in. <laughs> All right. Unless you really want to talk about the Well, let's talk about his scene and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. So it's just like uh, he Nas boosts. A, well, we see his. It, it is the best scene brother, of the. Yeah. But like he he, uh, he boosts. Uh, it's like, oh, the, there's no bridge there. So he boosts. And like he doesn't have. His car, he he Nas. We haven't seen Nas in a he minute. He hooks onto like a bridge like it's a grappling hook. 
and just was like uses the DOS boost and like he just swings across like I just and then hit runs right into the cliff and then they flip and like nobody's wearing seatbelts. They should be dead. But yeah, no, uh, they survived. They survived. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll be back next week with the uh, with the next quarter. Uh, but Carlos, before we wrap this segment completely up, I have a surprise for you. Yeah, it's a very important surprise. I'm, I think you're going to love it. It's been something that you've wanted for a very long time. But I got us tickets to the opening night of Fast 10, Fasten Your Seatbelts, on May 18th. Oh, cool. Are you excited? Yeah. All right. We got we to gotta get these out of the way. We have to watch it four weeks in a row. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so that's the thing. Is like, uh, in order to do this segment, we need to watch it in theaters four times in a row. Just set your stopwatch so you know. So we know which quarter. Like. No, I think I'm just going to have to live with watching the movie four, four times. times. <laughs> It's what we do for you people. I think it's it's going to be one of those things where, like, it, it doesn't matter how good the movie is. I'm going <laughs> to like it just because I'll be, like, waterboarded into having to like I it. <laughs> oh, man. But I got us. Uh, it's a 630 showing. So, like, it's it's a decent time. So we we won't be tired. And if we just do fucking matinees on the weekend. Or and, something. like, uh, I was I bought the first tickets. Like so, I got the best seats. <laughs> All the other times, the seats don't matter. <laughs> All right, let's get fancy. So we are bringing back our fancy pants wine tasting with our second style. Uh, this uh, this is because I was informed uh, that you are not supposed to gargle wine or swish it through your teeth, <laughs> or swish it through your teeth in oh, order to taste it. God. Oh, is this a thing that happened? Yeah, you were here. Yeah, I was. <laughs> um, and so we brought Jacqueline in, uh, my beautiful girlfriend, to uh, tell us how to do it properly, how to actually taste wine. Sure. Yeah. So wine. Um, you start by opening the bottle. I'm trying to find a knife. All right. Uh, while you're doing that, I will read about Zinfandel. About what? Okay. Zinfandel. Is the title? Is this another uh, town in uh in, in New Zealand? Yeah, we're we're having a red zin today, by the way. A red zin, Fandel. All right. Uh, so Zinfandel is uh, wine is a bold fruit forward is a bold fruit forward red that's loved for its jammy fruit and smoky exotic spice notes. It can also be white, uh, or it's also made into a sweet rosé called white zin. Well, you can make it into a white. So how does that work? I don't no. How can you make a red into a white? I don't. We'll have to learn about that when we have the white one. Um, let's see. Uh, universal glass. It says to decant for thirty minutes. We're not going to do that. I thought it was the grapes that were, like was like. How, how do you make red wine versus white wine? Red get, versus like I thought it was a different grape. I don't know. Ooh, Zinfandel pairs well with Moroccan and Turkish spices. Now I want Moroccan food. That sounds delicious. Uh, oh, also pizza. Uh, let's see. Uh, wait, now I want pizza. Would you like some fun facts about Zinfandel? Yes, I would love some fun facts about Zinfandel. Say, say it again. Zinfandel. Zinfandelin. That yeah. seems perfect. Uh, Zinfandel has been touted as America's grape, but it actually hails from Croatia. 
That sounds about right. American taking credit for another vegetable or fruit. Yep. Was brought to the U.S. in the early 1800s. Oh. I will add more fun facts as we go through. Is there an actual American grape? I don't know. Oh, the Concord grape, I believe, is actually American. All right. So today we are um, drinking Decoy Zin. It has a duck on it. I bought it because it has a duck on it. Okay. So part of... Wine, drinking wine is even opening it correctly. So when you open it, you take just the um, peel off the top. You don't take oh, the whole thing Oh, I did not do that right last time either. Uh, Actually, I don't think I've ever done that right. Then when you open it. So you twist the thing in. <laughs> you screw the corkscrew into the cork. You got to screw your bottle of wine properly. Um, and you want to be really careful. It is taking, a duck wine. Be careful taking the cork out. I know it's Thank really, you, <laughs> you kind of get that when you open champagne, you know, it goes pop and it's like really yep. exciting. You're not supposed to do that with wine. It actually oh. bruises the wine. So when you What do you mean it, bruise the wine? It's a liquid. It bruises the wine. Yeah, I've heard what, that before. I don't. What does that mean? Um, I think it, the suction has to do with air in it. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah, an air thing. So when you open it, you want to really... Open it as gentle as possible, so it should just go like it should just like exhale more than anything. Oh. Then you want to smell the cork. Um, smelling the cork will give you a hint to see if the um, wine has gone bad or not. How do you know if it's gone bad or not? It'll smell funky. It'll, you know, like if the bacteria, if there's bacteria in it, you'll smell it. Tastes like cork. A lot Thank of you wine. for looking at it right before handing it to me. I like the side. No, no, that's a, that smells like wine. So a lot of wine that's like really made to be drank quickly, um, quickly as in not like resting for a while or aging, will be made with a synthetic cork. Um, this looks like an authentic cork. It comes from a cork tree. They take over 100 years to mature. So all of the corks that we use today were really um, produced or grown by our ancestors. Pretty tragic, though, that so, we lost half the uh, cork population, though, to the movie Corky Romano. <laughs> so just know that it's kind of a not really a renewable resource because we can't really grow it that fast. Are we running out of corks? When you serve wine, you always want to serve the host last, and you always want to serve... Um, when you pour the wine, let's say you have like seven people at the table. Obviously, there's four and a half glasses of wine... In a bottle, you just want to give everyone enough to drink, like a couple ounces. You're not you supposed want, to fill the glass. You always want there to be wine. You want to serve the host last, and you always want there to be wine left for the host, like in the bottle. So, yeah, you don't give everyone a full. So glass. if you're there, if you're not the host, but you're pouring, and it's just you and the host, mm-hmm. you pour for yourself first. You you, you serve no, you serve everyone. But if it's just you and the host, but the host is always supposed to pour. Oh, the host is, even or, if it's like not the host, if it's a, the guest brought the wine, you give the wine to the host, well, the host the to host pour is, the wine when I for the, host, the guest first. I mean, like the person who has ownership of it. Oh, okay. The person holding the bottle is the host. Well, so like, it's if, like you're a at, if, you, if you buy wine at a restaurant, the person who ordered it would be served last. Okay. I haven't listened to the Schmanders podcast, so I don't, so I don't know etiquette. Whoever's wine it is. You're learning that now. Um, ideally, though. Um, if you are going to fill, fill a full glass and not risk emptying the bottle, you want it to be as high as the widest part of the glass is where you fill it up. Okay. Is there a reason for that? Um, 
Most wine glasses, it should be an eight ounce pour. Or a six ounce pour, excuse me. These are kind of, well, these are big like burgundy glasses. Not quite burgundy <laughs> glasses, but. Uh, all right. So. And you have a tiny glass, so. <laughs> okay, all right. Pick you out. Uh, uh, then you want to swirl it. It ha- oxygenates it. Isn't oxygen bad? No. Only if you bruise it. No, that's, what do you think decanting is? Ooh. I swirled too much. I thought mm-hmm. I thought decanting was like you just like were boiling it or something. Boiling. No, decanting so it is pouring it into like a glass vessel and like a pitcher basically, and doing so will help bring oxygen. We to don't it. like to say decant here. We only say decan. Also, you want to be holding <laughs> the stem. For a decan household. <laughs> you want to hold this glass by the stem. Mm. So we don't warm it. Uh, yeah, your body. Your well, it's body a, lot, a lot harder to hold it with a. Then the next thing you're gonna do is swirl the wine in your glass and just see how the. Um, the legs. Yeah, look for legs. For legs. What? Look at the gams on this the one. More, the more legs you have, the more alcohol you have. Legs. In wine. <laughs> what is legs? <laughs> it's how the wine walks away from you. <laughs> I don't get something here. When the wine sticks to the glass and then drips down. Okay. Um, if the legs have color, more of a red color, it signifies it's an older wine or older as in. Okay. So, like, if it. Longer ago. So, some fun fact Uh, the reason it sticks to the side of the wine is it's the same thing with whiskey. Like, you look for legs, it's about the specific gravity of the. Oh, well, I don't know anything about whiskey drinking either. Right. Then you want to smell it. Smells Mm, like a red wine. Right away, you get like notes of like plum. I smell the plums. Mm, maybe a little bit of cherry in there. I get a little bit of like milk chocolate. <laughs> Do you wash the glass? What are <laughs> you're not supposed to put Hershey's syrup in these wine glasses. Oh, I'm doing it wrong again. Then when you when you drink it, the first thing you gonna do is like. It's almost kind of like a slurp, so you take a little bit in your mouth, and then you're like, kind of inhale as you, as you taste it. Did it go through your nose? So that was actually one of the things that went through my mind about like a minute ago. It was like, if there's one thing I'm going to do on this sh- this show, I'm not going to have the wine go through my nose. So we swished it through the teeth. You should have done that too, Casey. It, and you now should've... gotten it up the nose. <clears throat> so I'm going to demonstrate how this is done. Really, but you're getting it right right up front though. You're really getting like up close and personal with the wine by getting it. <clears throat> So can I can I just I slurp too much. <laughs> can I show you how this is done? Oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> That's what I tried to do. <laughs> so why do you slurp? Uh, to choke. <laughs> That's if you do it badly. That is a good question. Um it helps you taste it better, I suppose. I'm guessing it aerates it more. <laughs> and it really <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to slurp <laughs> like soup. It's not a it's not uh not any really bitterness to this wine so far. Yeah, it's, it's like a like I think the last wine that we did, it was a little bit more had like a little bit more of like bitterness to it. <sighs> I like the drinking part. 
The slurping part, ter- like, was not good. It's like a, a, a juice that's not sweet is what I it tastes like. Wine on my Do you want to notice where it hits on your tongue? <sighs> um, it's kind of drying towards the front and then a little bit more tart on the back and sides. Yeah. Um. Oh, interesting. Would you like to hear a fun fact about Zinfandel? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, if you get it up your nose, it kind of sucks. <laughs> the Italian name for grape, primitivo, or as Mario would say, primitivo, uh, comes from the Latin word primitivus, or as a gladiator would say, primitivus. Uh, and the old Italian word, primatissio, or as Mario would say, primatissio. It's all just Italian. It's just, it's <laughs> Both mean early ripener or first to ripen. First to ripen? Yep. <clears throat> What's the last to ripen? Uh, rotten. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's If it's rotten, you're way past ripe. Oh, that's true. Okay. <sighs> I think I'm okay. Pre, what was it called? Prima... Primitivo. Uh, primitivo. Postmotivo. Primitivo. So it's postmotivo. Kind of like primary as in first. Would be the last one to ripe. Would be postmotivo, like right. Post Malone. What else are we looking for while we're tasting? Um, you want to feel the weight of it, like the body of it on your tongue. Some, and the mouth feel. So it has a little bit of a velvet to it. So you can feel almost it being like Velvety on the inside of your mouth. It feels light on my tongue. It feels light body. Yeah, yeah but like, yeah, I guess. Like, I guess I'm used to looking for the body of a beer. Well, like last <clears throat> time you had a Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Pinot Noir tends to be very light, tends to be very bright, fruity, sometimes peppery. Mm. Um, even if you look at it, like the color of it, you can see. Like, Hold it up a, to the patented beer light. Okay, so you're, you're, so, uh, like, you're holding Pinot it wrong. Pinot Noir is going to be like usually like oh, very... Cherry colored. It's gonna be very. You can see through it. The zin you see, you can't see through it. You get uh, like ruby highlights kind of coming through. Yeah. Um. So the patented beer light coming through as like a red dot. Like it's like an. Don't stare at the patented beer light. (laughs) No, like it comes through at an angle. Like the wine is twisting it, and I just. I think I figured out how to hold this properly. Yeah, I think you got it. Also, if I'm saying any of the things wrong about this, I've been sober for mm, 10 years, so I'm a little rusty. But at, <clears throat> at the time before that, I worked for enough restaurants where one of them, to even be qualified to be a server there, I had to identify 10 wines blindfolded by taste and smell. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Did you get a certification for that? No, I got employed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually really would have loved doing stuff like that. I like, really enjoyed uh, it. Like become a sommelier? Yeah, it'd be fun. It's so subjective, though. I don't think I have the confidence to yeah. be very confident. There are some objective <laughs> things, though. Turns out, do not inhale your beer or your wine. Well, or unless you want to get up close and personal with it. I mean, I aerated the shit out of that yeah. right into my he's lungs. He's going to be smelling wine for days. Like, every time he sneezes, he's going to get a little I have zin. to wash my pants now is what I'm really bummed about. Zin is one of my, one of the red wines I like the most. Um, did you know that National Zinfandel Day is the third Wednesday in November? I assure you, I knew that. So we're approaching Zin's half birthday. 
Yep. It's just Fandle Day then. So, as far as like, uh, do you remember how we were rating these wines? Because <sighs> I what? Because we, we rated the last wine, yes. right? Yes, uh, I believe. Rate. Yeah, I, I definitely we, did not hear that. How did we rate it? Uh, what did you think he said? I just didn't hear it right. Uh huh. We would never do that your to a wine is, or anything else. Your mind is in the gutter. I would not recommend the the bottle as. <laughs> no. I, that's a very tiny opening. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend that for anyone. <laughs> we should be pretty clear on the show to that we don't want you to rate the wine bottle. Also, if you're going to let it rate you, there's no flared base. Or is it all flared? If it's all flared, then none of it's flared. <laughs> no, no, I think I think doctors already get enough people going to the, into uh, hospitals with like with stuff, weird stuff up their ass. Your we don't need to. Is going to end up on Reddit if you do that. Well, I mean, I <laughs> do need the internet famous. points. Well, only if like they approve it. Like a doctor can't put it up out there on. No, but you can put it up. Yeah, you could. I don't know why. For the internet points. I got rated by a beer or a wine. <laughs> how, do you, how do you rate wine? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember, but we can... Uh, come up with a new system? We can come up with a new system. Yeah, come up with a new system. I think we were, we were rating it by the number of pinkies. That sounds pretty good. Uh, how, is it, how many pinkies is a good number? Is, like, is it drinkable? Like drinkable, like is it easy drinking? You know, um, how well does it pair with the food you like? Oh yeah, this is very easy drinking. Uh, like I can't. Really I need do the, spare ribs. The only problem is like, is a wine always have to be uh, easy to drink, or is like, are there some types of wines that like that's not important? Very subjective. This one is actually very difficult to drink, as I proved. <laughs> I think that's a, <laughs> that's a you problem. Is it enjoyable to drink? Oh yeah, no, this is you actually know. really good. This um, is a. Uh, some wines can be very, very dry and very full. Like yeah. they were, the, they're almost without food. They're almost like hard to drink. Like it's fun to learn about different wines, but if you're gonna drink three or four glasses, yeah, of it, I could. Uh, yeah, I mean, this one I would like to have like a piece of cake with, I, or I would not want a piece of cake with this, uh, or. Um, some food like, like a, a glass curry, of espresso, <laughs> a pork chop. A, curry. Um, a pork chop wouldn't be bad. Pork. Um, but uh, I, I want something heavier. I want like a steak, something a little with, with a little bit more. I bold think I flavor. would want a drier wine with a steak. This would be good with venison, I think, or duck. Oh, which is why there's a duck on the bottle. Um, I think with pork. So pork is either like really sweet or it goes really well with like spicy. Spices, right? So I'd probably choose a wine that has more of that right. to it. Yeah. Um. Kind of tastes like venison, like how it's, <laughs> it tastes gamey. Like, if, like this, I feel like would go with a game. So we're in California. This is so like as of all the wines I've had, this might be the least dry wine I've ever had. Because there are three different uh, regions in uh, Zinfandel regions in California. There's Lodi, California. Lodi. My favorite song by Credence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. It's Lodi. I could have sworn if it was Lodi, there would be an A in there. I would have gotten the band wrong. I would have, oh, just, I would have guessed America. Stuck in Lodi again. 
So unless CCR did it wrong. I mean, they could have. I don't know. They could have. Uh, that flavors in Lodi Zinfandels are blackberry, peach yogurt, roasted plum, cinnamon, and sweet tobacco. Sweet uh, tobacco. That's what I'm taking offense to here. Not cinnamon. <laughs> Uh, the climate in the Lodi re- uh, wine region is Mediterranean with hot days, cool nights, and a moderating influence from the San Francisco Bay. And water that's barely there. Now, the North Coast region has blackberry, black cherry, bramble, vanilla. Bramble? Black pepper. Within the North Coast region, Sonoma is diverse in both soil and climate, with long, warm, rarely hot summer days, and very cool nights that receive cooling fog and ocean breezes. What do the Girl Scout cookies the Sabonas have to do with that? Nothing. Now the Sierra foothills of California, they got raspberry, cherry, blackberry, cranberry, and sweet bacon wow, spices. Wow, California has all the berries, apparently, I guess. Running along the Sierra Nevada mountain range, the region consists of mostly sandy clay and granite soils. Are you sure that's a uh, that's a uh, Sierra Nevada um, accent you got right there? Wines here <laughs> yeah. tend to offer high aromatic intensity and lighter color because of the soils. The what? The souls. Oh, the the soils, not the souls. Not the souls that are just drenched (laughs) in that soil. Would you like another fun Zinfandel fact? Uh, Depends. Is it going to be in a horrible accent? (laughs) I mean, it can be. Uh, Zinfandel is notorious for uh, uneven ripening, so bunches have to be left on the vine to ripen fully. This leads to high sugar uh, in the berries, which in turn makes for high alcohol wines. Um, <clears throat> this is 13.9% by volume and was cellared and bottled in Hopland, California. This is about the strength, same strength as my beer. I'm not sure where the grapes were grown, though. No, it's not. I'm guess I everything is the same strength when I... Well, my rating is the same strength. Oh, okay. It's sessionable. God damn it, Gordon. <laughs> so it's unclear where the grapes were grown. It's, it looks like they have a few different places in California. Um, Hopland is no cow. Yeah, but that's where it's bottled. It's not where it's grown. Oh, okay. It says, we craft our wines from exceptional vineyards, including from our own estate properties. That's all it says about the growing. All right. So you guys could get pretty um, tipsy off this. I like bet. 14%. Where do you think their uh, properties are that are getting the grapes? I don't know. I think. Down by the soul. You could Google it and see no, if decoy. No, we don't need to Google has... it. I think we can figure it out. Okay. Vermont. Where do... I think it's Vermont. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't I... be silly. <laughs> Everybody knows. Is there a town called it's Washington. Plastic Duck Town. Washington State? No, Washington, D.C. <laughs> a lot of vineyards These there. are government grapes. <laughs> That's why like, it's so expensive to rent an office in D.C. is because most of the land is taken up by vineyards. All right. So on a scale from 
uh, Charlie Day. Or maybe, how far out does your pinky? Well, I, I was, I, well, let, let, let me, uh, so on a, on a scale from Charlie Day to Scrooge McDuck, how fancy is this wine? Almost went up my nose. <laughs> Fancier than our last experience. Ooh. Uh, than the Pinot? Than, than, than the gargling and the... Oh, well, yeah, yes. The experience has been much improved. That's, that's user you, error. Yeah, you, you have now taught us, though apparently I'm a very slow learner. Because <laughs> I inhaled this while trying to make a slurping joke. Um, yeah. So, uh, what would you rate this one in your personal uh, fanciness scale? Uh, so, here's so let's, I had to look at this, this up real quick. So it's it's I don't think it's fancy. I I think if you want something, it needs to be more have more of that bitterness to it, that dryness to it to be fancy. More tannic. Yeah. Ooh, like a, so it's not a Charlie Day. What? You could do a petite Syrah. Ah. So here's where I'm writing this. This is between Charlie Day and Scrooge McDuck. This is an Al Bundy. Oh, interesting. I'd say from, from a, a married with married with children. children. I mean, I'd say this is closer to um, a Raymond from Everybody Loves Raymond than an oh. Al Bundy. Um, yeah, but that's that. that's not. I don't. I don't think it's quite there. I think Raymond would be a little bit more pretentious. I'm gonna put this. His brother, maybe his brother from. Mm, I'm going to. I think I'm gonna put this. Hang on. It's fruity. It's good. Um. Oh, man, no, I can't go into Fraser. That's too highbrow. That is. That's why, way up there. Like that's, that's that's way up there by Scrooge. Um, oh, you know what? No, I'm gonna give this a Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother. I think I like right, yeah, like it's kind of right in the middle. It's the um, pretending to be pretentious, but yeah. not quite there. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. How about Elaine from Seinfeld? Oh, that's a good rating. Is that what you're gonna rate it? All right, all right. So we have a Ted Bundy. We have a Ted Mosby and in the lane. In the lane, isn't Ted Bundy a serial killer? That's a different Bundy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it took me a minute. All right. Oh, or did I say? Did I say Ted Bundy? Oh, Al Bundy is. Who oh, I, you said Al Bundy. I think I just like no, I no, combined no. our two. Yeah. No, Ted Bundy is actually <laughs> like, a serial killer. That seems like a serial killer. That is. Where it's not a Ted Bundy wine. And now the Department of Offense presents news with Casey. <gasps> That's me. Uh, we have all ordered something online and lived to regret it. But one bloke in the UK took this buyer's remorse to a whole new level. 61-year-old Tom Arnold ordered himself a pair of reading glasses online from Specsavers and was stumped when he opened the package that contained 60 of them. Instead of keeping the lid on this embarrassing mishap and keeping it between himself and Specsavers, his son had other ideas. Chris Arnold, a radio personality, found his dad's internet shopping blunder hilarious and posted it online. The post has since gone viral with people absolutely loving not only the adorable image, 
of the bewildered man with his 60 pairs of glasses, but also the comment section. Chris's tweet read, my dad has accidentally bought 60 pairs of reading glasses off the internet after misreading the quantity of his order. Chris went on to explain that his dad received the package, thinking the size of the box was a little excessive for one pair of reading glasses. (laughs) And then he was gobsmacked when the giant box was filled to the brim with them. Thankfully, Tom managed to get a refund from Specsavers, who proved uh, that they uh, not only had a great returns policy, but an excellent sense of humor. Specsavers directly wrote in the online comments, do we even need to say it? Uh, Chris joked, at this point, guys, I don't think you do. P.S. If you're interested in buying 59 pairs of reading glasses, are, are you interested in buying 59 pairs of reading glasses off my dad? Oh, actually, uh, I don't know if you heard. Uh, he uh, actually, his dad came up with something else he was going to do with those glasses. He's going to start a new company, and they're going to go around, and he's going to, he lends out those glasses to other people. <sighs> are you going to call it lens lenders? Well, I don't know what the name is. I, I didn't. I didn't read the whole article. I like that one. <laughs> You're so proud of yourself. Just like Pinky in the air, fucking Scrooge McDuck in it over there. I'm sorry, Al Bundying it yeah. over there. Like some kind of shoe salesman. Because he sold shoes in I know. Married with John. Okay, I just wanted That's, to make it. Uh, we've hit the limit of what I know about him. <laughs> uh, an Australian surf lifesaving club has found itself at the center of controversy uh, following its implementation of a no-nudity policy in showers and changing rooms. Ocean swimmer uh, Nada Pantel, who regularly uses the changing rooms after a morning swim in the Terra Gall, uh, in New South, New South Wales, uh, said she was sent a letter warning that she had breached the Terrigal Surf Life Savings Club nudity policy. Um, a sign in the club advises users to shower in your swimming costume and change with your towel around you. Another swimmer told the BBC that the sign appeared uh, probably three months ago. The letter sent to Patel reads, The board has advised members that nudity is not acceptable as per the child safe policy. It's just not natural. <laughs> It is your responsibility to follow the rules. Should you continue to ignore the rules, you will be subject to disciplinary action and or including termination of your membership. Um, Pantel disagreed with the policy, saying that's what the change rooms are for. They're for getting changed. Meanwhile, club member Wendy Farley uh, said that the new policy promoted body shaming. I think it's appalling. I think it's a backward step and it's bad for young women. Pantel said the letter made her feel anxious uh, and that she has since left the club. I was so anxious about someone seeing something and giving uh, a child post-traumatic stress disorder. I handed my resignation. Um, they, uh, CNN has reached out to Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club and uh, Surf Life Saving Australia, the country's volunteer beach lifeguarding organization, for further clarity and comment. Wait, wait, wait. This is in Australia? Yes. Oh, it makes perfect sense. No, this is a... Uh... Yeah, that makes sense. Then. Why yeah. would that make sense? Oh, no, they're... They're super conservative about yeah. some certain things. About nudity in Australia. Like, uh, even video games. Like, you can't even, uh, like, video games in general, like, a lot of them aren't available in Australia. Yep. And they're, like, even, like, general video games that you'd, like, most people would see I here. I really have to ask, though, like, do you guys, if you went to, like, a place where you had to change, would you just, like, straight up change in the locker room? I just rock out with my cock out, you know? Yeah. I would prefer if there's a changing room, I would change the changing room. But apparently that's not even allowed here. Well, no. So yeah, if no, I go so to the changing room. You, let's say you went to a public pool and you go into the changing rooms and you switch into your swimsuit. Oh, I wouldn't go to a public pool. 
Okay, but you were at a public pool because Casey made you go. I would not go. You were. You're I would tell to Casey go. no. You're hogtied. Then <laughs> I will. Well, at that I'll point, probably we're just raiding him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably being brought there to uh, be killed and just be sunk in the bottle above the pool, so I don't have to change. Actually, uh, so when we went to uh, the hot springs. Yeah. Um, in New Zealand, we went to some hot springs that were fantastic, except everything smelled like rotten eggs. Well, that's, um, that's the natural hot springs. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, it was just I was just saying the the one the one bad the one downside to the amazing hot springs was they smelled like rotten eggs. Um, in the changing room, like I had to take my swimsuit off, and then well, so there was the shower, and then there was the like so there was the changing area, which was just this big open bench area with benches with benches yeah. and then there was a shower so i went and like i showered i guess with my suit on because i wanted to like wash all the stank off of it uh but then like i went to the changing area and then i took my swimsuit off and then put your clothes and then on put my clothes dried off and then put my clothes on hmm. so you changed in the changing room well in the big changing area yeah Honestly, yeah. the older I get, the less I give a flying fuck. Well, like, yeah, I'm we're like, all like, business. you know how yeah. hard it is to change with a towel around you? I'm like, it's it takes not three easy. The only, seconds. yeah, you only change with a towel around you if you're changing in a parking lot. Uh, or, <laughs> or at a public beach. If there's like people staring at you, maybe like weirdos. Oh, I mean, I guess like, but if you're in, like, you if you're in like a, why would you need to like, change a at a room. beach? What? Because what if you wore your clothes to the beach and then you change into your swimsuit? That is dumb. You wear if you're going to a if you know you're going to a beach, you just have your swim clothes on your trunks when on, I, as boxers. Well, like so when when I when I wore when I dove uh, wet, there would be multiple times where I'd be done diving and we were gonna go get food after, and I'm not gonna wear my wet trim uh, swim trunks as at uh, so a restaurant at a restaurant so like or and under my jeans so or my shorts or whatever I was wearing well then you then, just only wear your swim trunks for the rest of the day well no because then you're just getting everything wet so you just wrap a towel around yeah. your waist and swap real quick yeah. it's like it's not a big deal I but know. if there's a specific male and female changing room like we're not gonna get into the like the the gendering and like like that's a little bit of another can of but I guess like whatever you identify as like changing room then it's a non-issue. Yeah. Like, but also, it's also an older thing. Like, when I was in high school, I was fucking terrified, and I would, like, hide, and, like... That's a high wait. school thing. Yeah. But, like, as an adult... But as an adult, room. I'm like... <sighs> I just want to freaking change. I just want to change and get out of here. It ain't nothing nobody's ever, se- like, not seen before, so... Everybody... Well, most everybody's got one, so... Yep. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So yeah. go to public pool. I I'm think like, they're disgusting. It's really important to me to be polite to other people. So mm-hmm. I'm very conscious of like when I change or do even things like under a towel. Like if it's a really busy parking lot, I wouldn't want to make other people feel uncomfortable by changing even if they can't see anything. But in a locker room that's meant for changing yeah. at like a public pool or something similar, I'm changing. Like, yeah. Well, and also if a child is traumatized by seeing somebody change in a changing room, I think they have bigger fucking problems than. Well, why is that child in there, like in the first place? Because I think the only children need to go change in changing rooms there's too. A, the only traumatizing that's happening is the parent telling the kid that that they should be traumatized. There's an age in which like children should not be entering the other genders. Yeah. Well, no, well, no, but it should all be same gender. So, Right, no, like, you know, like, if you, let's say you have, like, a three-year-old son, a wo- like, a woman's going to bring that son yeah. into yeah. the changing room. But there's a point in which when the s- child is old enough to sit outside or change by themselves, 
they stop going in. And that's kind of, in my opinion, the age where they should stop being traumatized. Yeah. Because they start to understand and have more. Well, when they're younger, like. They shouldn't even be. They definitely shouldn't be traumatized because most like, places no have sense. family changing rooms. Yeah. Most people have like chan, at least family bathrooms. Yeah, family meaning like if you are of different genders and need and to change. You need to change together. Like go do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Anyways, know. Sorry. Yeah. It, no. Digress, it's but. no. That's like that. Well, that's that's <laughs> the thing. Like. Or at least like in this case, if they have such an issue, they should create changing stalls with curtains. Yeah, it's just a whole thing. I yeah, I don't know. Um, nine vocational colleges in China want their students to go forth and find love during a week-long spring break in April. The schools, run by the Fan Mai Education Group, announced on March 23rd that they are going on a break from April 1st to 7th and task students with enjoying themselves. The school implements the spring break system in the hope that students can learn to love nature, love life, and enjoy love. Uh, said Liang Guha, Guhui, <laughs> Gao Hui, G U O H U I. Gao Hui. That's what I said. Gao Hui. <laughs> Gao Hui. <laughs> Deputy Dean of uh, Mianyang Aviation Vocational College. Uh, walk out of campus, get in touch with nature, and with your heart, feel the beauty of spring. The school said in its statement that participating colleges are all vocational schools for jobs in the aviation industry, such as pilots, flight attendants, air traffic controllers, and airport security staff. <laughs> Apparently, Lando loves you. He's just like, hey! Lando, you're not a lap dog. <laughs> He's like, I fit. Hello. I fit. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I fits, fits I sit. <laughs> you think he'd pull up here? Is he, a, is he a lap dog? He is when he's scared. Are you scaredy dog? He just dog? wants to play. I know. Um, the schools have been uh, giving students and teachers a week off uh, in the spring since 2019, but this year's theme, Enjoy the Blossoms, Go Fall in Love, uh, places a special emphasis on romance. The announcement comes amid a push in China to bolster rapidly declining birth and marriage rates. Local companies, provinces, and townships have been experimenting with ways to get people to tie the knot, like offering 30 days of marriage leave or launching campaigns asking city women to date rural older bachelors. Do you think there's some sort of reason that like their dro- I mean, their drops that they're specifically dropped so cr- so highly? There's a huge such a huge drop hmm, for them. I mean, let's let's think. Uh they uh, I mean, we can't think too far back. The Chinese state wouldn't want us to do that. No. Um Yeah, hmm. I can't think of any no, reason I whatsoever. Can't think of it's not like like I don't think China ever implemented any kind of like one child policy and had some kind of cultural thing where having a daughter was bad, right? Yeah, that, that would be crazy. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, that doesn't sound right at all. Uh, this episode of Chinese Propaganda was brought to you by the China Wall. The big one. And the China Red Wine. Fancy. Yeah. Not um, too fancy. A Milwaukee man says he was forced from his home uh, because too many reckless drivers kept crashing into it. Uh, Junius Merriweather's house at 60, uh, 76th and Stark is currently considered uninhabitable until the repair work is finished after a car slammed into it in 2021. Um, 
TMJ uh, for news met uh, first met Junius Merriweather in 2019 following a deadly crash outside his home. The car slammed into Merriweather's yard, and the windshield of the car blew out and slammed into the front door. It was all captured on a surveillance camera. The next year, in 2020, he captured another video that crashed of a car that crashed outside of his home in 2021. Uh, he also captured cell phone video showing a car that hit his house and his porch. Cars have been running into my yard repeatedly, he said. He showed uh, police reports that show 17 times in seven years his house has had a vehicle on or next to his pro- property. Finally, he, he said enough. I never had any intentions of leaving my home. I wanted to stay there. I fixed it up really in really good shape. I liked it. My wife and I loved our home, but we had to move, he said. Uh, he still owns the house, but after the car hit it in 2020, he got scared and moved out. And then in 2021, it was hit again. My insurance company has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars fixing the house. Just a bummer. So, I mean, on the other hand, though, if you're getting, if you're paying for the best insurance possible, and you just keep getting hit by cars, I mean, <laughs> you can start pocketing some of that. At a certain point, maybe. All right. Well, that brings us to our discussion topic for today. Carlos, Jacqueline. If you could live anywhere in Middle Earth, where would you want to live? As yourself, not as like one of the main characters in Middle Earth, just as you now. Where in Middle Earth would you like to live? Jacqueline, we're going to start with you so uh, Carlos can think through his answer. Mm, Rivendell. Why Rivendell? Ooh, because they have so much like historical knowledge and they're very like wizened of the old ways and they have crafts that are just like super skilled. And elegant food, although I think most of them are vegetarian, so that might be a sticking point. But and they live in pretty like the like I don't know what you call it. Like Rivendell's pretty. Yeah, but like, it's all open. Yeah. Like so if it rains, just, aren't you gonna get wet? Don't they have roofs? Well yeah, but like it's splashback mud. I just I always thought it was a terrible design flaw. Would not it's, have walls. But they like nice things, and I like nice things. That's and they true. have fancy swords. They do have fancy and swords. They have magic things. Mm, yeah. And they're really good at running. And they're good at archery. That's true. They don't sink into snow. Mm. Man, how inconvenient. But you're a human, not an elf. Like, you don't get to become an elf by living in Rivendell. You're just in Rivendell now. Uh, but on the other hand, like, I think they'd be respectful. He's just crushing my dreams. <laughs> Or I'm not going to be knocking Rivendell until it's my turn. Okay. (laughs) What? I just think that the elves would be pretentious. They live for... They're not wood elves. Wood elves are douchey. They already look down on Aragorn a little bit, and he lives for centuries. Wood elves are super douchey. No, but Aragorn was raised by elves. Spider ones. And they they raised him as one of their own. No, he wasn't raised by elves. He, he lived with the elves. He lived, with the, he lived elves. with the elves. As a child. He spent yeah. some time as a child. He lived with the elves when he was 18. And then he started boinking Elrond's daughter, and they had a problem with it. But from, like, age of, like, 8 to 18 or something, like, that youthful age, he lived with the elves. That's true. So he was kind of raised by he, them yeah. because, like, he was not an adult. You see, That's I'd true. be worried about if I lived in a village, in the, the elf, an elf city, that I'd be treated as a pet and not as a person. I mean... You kind uh, of are. What what kind of pet would you be treated like? A cat. 
Uh, I feel like a dog, be... a slobbering dog. Maybe <laughs> like a like a cuddly gerbil that someone could keep in their pocket. That's worse somehow. That is worse. Being a cuddly gerbil. I feel like they really are fuzzy. disrespecting me then. <laughs> <laughs> you'd get treats and pets and you'd get to see everything and a cage of paper mache at the bottom <laughs> <laughs> you'd get a you'd get a little wheel that you never use yeah maybe you'd use it i don't know it don't, you don't seem like a runner to me but so what are it would uh, be if it's the only form of entertainment so like what are some of the advantages of living in the uh which what which elf town was it uh, rivendell rivendell well, i mean besides the amazing scenery what are besides uh, that you could live like, like you, like I said, you have access to all this like history and knowledge. Oh, and, uh, and there's songs and feasts every night. There's no way they feast every night. They're elves. But like in well, I guess anytime we see, I them feel in like the books, they're too. I, I always assume like elves are. Oh yeah, because they have like guests, so they. I think feast more for than being pretentious, they might just be like uninterested and wary. Like imagine if you live for thousands of years and someone just barges into your house, you'd just be like, oh, "Yes, what do you want?" Yeah. You know, you'd be like that, but it's not. You'd be not like that for the first couple asshole. decades. Yeah, you're not trying to be an asshole. You're just like, who is this guy, and is it worth my energy to get to know them? I don't have to learn their name until they've been around for at least five decades. I mean, they. I'm a little bit introverted and don't always love a lot of people, and they seem a little just. They keep to themselves. They don't mind other people's business. And they're pretty chill with Bilbo after ten years. So. And the art of healing. They're magic healers, and they have magic. I'm interested in magic. Okay. Or more like healing. It'd be a really good fit for you. I don't think it would be a good fit for Carlos or I. No, No. I didn't. I didn't choose it for the group. The elves would drive me insane. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think you would really enjoy it though. Is he also a dwarf? Are you just easily no. just? I, I don't know. Like I, I don't like the the all the tunnels. You, Unless, if, or honestly, if Moria, in the height of its day. I'm pretty cool with that. Or the Lonely Mountain. Because some high ceilings they got I'm there. I'm getting some slight disgruntation from you. But uh, I think uh, my place would be like, I would live just right outside of Bree. Because I don't, I, I, I wouldn't want to live like too close to like a, a, a Hobbit place because like the, the, the beard doesn't come in pints. It comes in pints. That, yeah. so, like, uh, so like I'm just outside of Bree so I can go to Bree for all the, all the taverns, like the Prancing Pony. Uh, I, and I'm not too close to the front line with Mordor, so I, I don't have that to worry about. <laughs> well, you could live in like. Uh, so Rohan. are you are Rohan's you in Bree or are you outside of? Well, Bree? I mean, things didn't go great for them because if you're so. not in Bree, like Rohan? there's still dangers. But Rohan's not as close as Gondor. Well, like right? if I'm, I'm not. I mean, but it's closer than Bree. But be, wouldn't you want to be with people, dude? Oh, no, 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 no. Like, would be like at your knees. No, no. Like I just. Would but want, Bree has people. Yeah. I, I'd want to be just outside of Bree. And you get to go to the Prancing Pony. Because so Chris I, solely wants to live I don't want to live. Pony. So I don't want to live in Bree because, like, medieval towns, they don't got plumbing. So, like, a whole town of people just shitting and throwing the buckets out, not great. I don't want that. Don't I'm going to live outside you. of Bree and then just visit the taverns. But how far outside of Bree? Like, a pl- close enough where I can, like, uh, if you like I think an hour. So, like, close enough where Tom Bombadil can go, tra-la-la-la-la. The other side of Bree from Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadillo. <laughs> the other side of Bree. So I never see him. So maybe. Uh, so far enough outside where it's not super dangerous. What's the uh, that starting town in uh, for Stockton? humans in, uh, for, in uh, the Lord of the Rings Online? 
Oh, like just north of Bree? Yeah. Uh, the one that gets the super the, the one that gets murdered by bandits. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't seem like a good one. Because um, you don't want to just like live with people, like because uh, that's like that's nearby Bree, like very close to Bree. Uh, Selen, no, that uh, hang on. Um, uh, Archette. Yeah, Archette. I think maybe Archette would be like you know the whole being killed by bandits wouldn't be great, but like besides that. I think Archette and uh, like just nearby north of like Bree basically would be a pretty great place. Like it's you're, if you want to go to Bree, hit the big town, you got it's that. It's right there, and you have but you have to go through the Hobbit town of Stock. What Stock? Oh, you got a small Stock town, Stockton. Oh yeah, that's right. There was a small village there. Um. Yeah. Hobbit town near Bree. Staddle. Staddle. Yep, but that's fine. Like I, I, I wouldn't mind going. Like I don't have anything against hobbits. I just don't think I would like to live in a hobbit town. Yeah. Look, they're very like what we see in the movies is like they're very kind of insular. Like all, all like they're all a bunch of like uh, like except when they're drinking. Like they're it's like all, all kind of like a little, little stodgy. Yeah. So if you take the Brandywine River south from the Shire. Um, there's a town called Sarnford, and it's halfway between Hobbiton and Bree on the south side. There's probably a Hobbit town. Just on the south side of the Old Forest. Yeah, it's, so you can't be too close yeah. to the Old Forest. You can just take it if you want to scroll. So if he's too close to the Old Forest, Tom Bombadil can show up. And we're trying to avoid that. Tom Bombadil does his best to not. I I, I don't think that's as big an issue as you're kind of putting it out to be. I don't think it goes out to bug people. Honestly, though, that would be (laughs) be really funny if he did. (laughs) He has this immortal Tom Bombadil that just comes. Tom Bombadillo. Oh, God. Honey, he's here again. (laughs) And he won't leave. And you can't make the immortal God leave. (laughs) (laughs) like yeah every time he shows up he brings untold riches and a bunch of wine or a mead and since when has he brought untold riches i mean every time he like destroys a barrow down yeah if you go with him to a barrow down and he doesn't get distracted and you die (laughs) yeah okay hold on though if you did live relatively close to tom bombadil you'd get to see maybe goldberry and she's supposed to be a, a looker yeah, right. Well, and yeah, your luck is she'll take a liking to you, and you don't want to be the guy that Goldberry steps out on Tom Bombadil with. Because <laughs> yeah, it'd be tra la la la, you're fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I want to see a vindictive Tom Bombadil. Or maybe they have like an open marriage and they're like trying to find a third. And you don't want to be Tom Bombadil. You third. thought Saruman was bad. <laughs> a vindictive Tom Bombadil. I think it would go tra la 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 la. Adios, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I seem to have drug you to this barrel down full of zombies. And I got to go. Got distracted. Shiny object over there. Uh, yeah, so, um, I've thought about, uh, you know, like, the Lonely Mountain, or Moria in its heyday, or, like, any of these dwarven strongholds. Because I would choose Moria in the heyday, but... But, 
You can choose that still. You can. You can. Well, yeah, but like it's just like it went so catastrophically <laughs> bad for them. <laughs> catastrophically well, if bad. They didn't dig so deep. Maybe they wouldn't have found a ball rock. Yeah, well, you can't. Well, if they wouldn't have dug so deep if it wasn't for the rain. What was the Balrog doing down there? Why would a Balrog be down there and they dig down to it? It's the only spot it could afford in this economy. Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Don't don't shame the Balrog. But the, uh, the more. Like the older I get, I feel I feel like the less dwarf like. Like I still have like a lot of dwarf like tendencies, but I mean, just hobbits have my heart, you know. Like I would love to live, probably not in Hobbiton, but like maybe Bywater, just closer to the Green Dragon. Um, what was the uh, the place that uh, Frodo went to when he was hiding under the as Underhill, like that town? Uh, that was oh shit! It was right on the river. Buckland. Was that a human town or a hobbit town? That was a hobbit town. Right. But it was not it was it was on the other side uh, that straddled the river. Yeah. And then yeah. So if you did live in Bywater, I'm assuming it's Bywater, so you could be one of those weird old hobbits that swim. And or maybe like Well, but I would scuba. be me still, so like Oh sorry, excuse me. You you'd be less judged for entering the water when you scuba dive. Well, I mean, oh, I mean, it's it's scuba the middle earth. I don't know if there's any like who's gonna fill tanks. Like, there's no electricity. Uh, it's manual. You have to just blow really hard into them. I just have a reed. Like, it's a snorkel. Get you a twenty foot reed. You know, but like, I like to eat. I like to drink. I like to like. I don't mind and the manual hobbits labor. Do have some of the best food. Right, the hobbits like they had they got it figured out. They know they work these works just as hard as they have to, and no harder. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that'd be perfect. Like, yeah, I'll work and then just hide for the winter in my little hobbit hole that's insulated and in a little ceiling. Well, you know, maybe I'll make a bigger hole. Well, I mean, you're He's only gonna have to, you just have to make it food. big enough for you. I really am just the there food. for the food. I mean, if you could the have food, a cheese seller, drink. I think Casey. I mean, right? Fucking Bilbo had. I mean, Bilbo was a rich motherfucker. Bilbo was very rich, uh, but he had a cheese seller. He was rich before he got a bunch of treasure. Yes, he was. Like we don't really talk about Bilbo privilege enough. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's what you get for killing dragons. Yeah, but he was rich before he like. And like, he dragons. didn't he didn't get the dragon treasure. He got the uh, buried treasure that they left. Yeah, because he didn't uh, he didn't take much of his treasure. He didn't take his full. Besides the, the the only thing he had like was something that was worth the entire value of the shire, the chainmail. Yes, yes, he did have that. Uh, he he took a few other things because like yeah. they wouldn't let him leave without it. He also yeah. had sting. Um, plus, uh, him and uh, Gandalf dug up the troll treasure uh, and split that amongst but, just the two of them because they're greedy motherfuckers. But before that, like, Bag End was already the most desirable spot in all of the Shire. Yeah, that's why the Sackville's Bagginses were there stealing spoons. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think Bilbo's single? <laughs> yeah, obviously. Well... I mean, he you did he's have single and wants to mingle. So here's, <laughs> I could, here's I could hook us up. So here's the other thing: like Bilbo and his nephew lived alone together, and don't like, don't, don't, don't try to turn it like that. He basically raised Frodo from like whatever like 
under, Hobbit child age is like it lasts for years. You say raised, I say groomed. It's the I mean the ring corrupts. No, I I don't think that's I. Frodo, for, right. Frodo, Frodo definitely was. Bilbo not had an elf chick on the side. You know that's that's. He's <laughs> <laughs> into those taller ladies. Yeah, and, and, and Frodo <laughs> just probably wasn't interested, probably because of all the trauma of of the, his voyage. Yeah, they like travels. Yeah, I, guess I mean, it's not voyage. voyage really, the the only one who really gets talked about, like, so I guess. In the movies, they gave uh, Pippin a like a crush. Um, they did a little in the bit. Hobbit? No, no, they oh. gave like Pippin was kind of crushing on uh, uh, the Rohirrim girl. Oh, um, and oh. then was he a little bit? Aowen. Aowen. They were like buddy. I kind of thought they were friends. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Like, um, and then Sam had Rosie. Oh yeah, which is. Yeah, and Which you know, and you knew, like, even though yeah. she was single beforehand, you knew that since hobbits like just didn't move fast, that she was <laughs> she didn't move still, fast be, at still all. gonna be single afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be really good at telling the Sackville Begginsons to go shove it if Bilbo wanted some peace. Well, time. it's good because that's the only thing you'd have to do. Is that's it? You just that's yeah. They your, don't really fight very hard for what they want. They're just. Non-stop annoying. Yep. I, mean, I honestly, to make them go away, apparently you just have to not answer the door. Yeah. I would make them salad, and they would be so disgusted they'd never come back. Why? Hobbits like salad, I'm sure. They like meat and bread. And they like, they they like butter. food. Well, you, as long you, as it tastes good, they'll probably so eat it. You say that, but afterwards you'd be like, I seem to have less forks. Mm. <laughs> no, they eat They like chopsticks. spoons. Yeah, no spoons, no soups. They get chopsticks. <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> they get chopsticks and a bowl of soup. Good luck. <laughs> like, oh, don't worry. I brought this spoon that I stole from you prior. What was that place above Evendim? Forage Yes, Forage Where the, the, the home of the Rangers? Yeah, that's that also wouldn't be a bad spot. I mean, it'd like, be pretty if chilly. you like snow, yeah, it'd be a little chilly, but yeah. You know, a beautiful, frosty landscape? That's not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rivendell wouldn't, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going yeah. with the Shire. No, that's fine. All right, should we get out of here? We've yeah. uh, we've apparently, uh, when we come back from vacation, uh, we just do a two-hour episode. Well, it's, no just, it's just one of those things, like, there's a lot of stuff to catch up on. All right, guys, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindindustudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindindustudios, or you can follow us on Instagram at blindindustudios. And I'll see you guys next week. Peligro minas. <laughs> <laughs>